0: Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tottenham. Tottenham finally back to winning ways uh, on Sunday afternoon following a 3-1 win over Leicester City. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, much better off for a win. Obviously Arsenal at West Ham, then ensured it was somewhat cancelled out. But, the you know, Spurs still needed to do their job. That was the main thing. And they needed to uh, ensure that they didn't slip any further behind. And now, you know, it is still, I know people don't like to hear this because Liverpool away is the next game, but it is still in Tottenham's hands. It is. It's a very massive if, a big old if slapped in the middle, if they can go to Anfield and do the business and win all their remaining games. But they've put themselves in a position at this point that somehow mathematically is in their hands. And, you know, if you'd asked for that back in November, probably if you'd asked for that at the start of the season, that would have been, you know, we would have ripped someone's hand off for that. So, you know, they're doing what they've got to do at the moment. It does, unfortunately, just make you look back at things like the Brighton match and just go, why did you do that?
0: Yeah, I was having this conversation uh, last night with John Vale uh, on the way back. You're looking at the Brighton game, Brentford, Southampton, and Wolves at home in February. You're just thinking, if you're winning these games, you'd probably be third now, just because of the the way Chelsea's forms uh, going. I think Arsenal are only three points behind them now. So I think uh, it's
1: tightened up. Yeah, and the annoying thing I was looking last night because I was looking at Liverpool's scary home record. Tottenham have got the fourth best home record in the Premier League. (laughs) And yet you've got those, like you say, those defeats you've just reeled off. But those kind of defeats you really shouldn't be recording. If anything, they've messed up that record by just switching off against teams that they should have got three points against.
0: Yeah. uh, So following the 1-0 defeat against Brighton and then the 0-0 draw away at Brentford, it was just imperative yesterday for Tottenham to get three points on the board Didn't matter if it was a 6-0 win, a scrappy 1-0 win. All Tottenham needed was three points. And thankfully, uh, got there in the end. Harry Kane, a stooping header. uh, I think that was on about 20 minutes. And then after the break, Son Heung-min finished off uh, some really good play by Christian Romero and Dane Kulosevsky before scoring an absolute screamer with time running out. uh, Ianacho scored one for Leicester in stoppage time. Good finish from him from outside the box. I think what will probably really annoy Antonio Conte, Hugo racing the defences, that they didn't manage to keep that clean sheet. But as I said, I think all that mattered was uh three points in the end. Before the game, I think one of the major talking points was whether Emerson would play. I think that's what the fans wanted, given a couple of uh poor performances last time out with the player just not having an impact in the final third and we did see a change but it was actually in front of Emerson Emerson kept his place in the team and it was Lucas Moura coming in for Dane Kulusevsky I think that was certainly a bit of a surprise wasn't it, when that uh, team news was announced
1: Um, Yeah, just a little bit Um, we kind of got wind, didn't we, of it happening a little bit before the team was announced so we are like, "Mm, really? Is Is that really what's happened? and um excuse me yeah so it came to pass and do you know what i think on the day the person that probably did benefit from the switch actually there were two people um probably was emerson i think with lucas up there lucas's job was very much you stay up there you stay high you stay wide and that meant that emerson's job on the day really was just you just defend. And I think we kind of saw the best of Emerson because of that, because he didn't have anything to do with uh, what really was happening going forward, or well, not too much anyway. Um, and the other person I think it benefited was was Kulisinski, who, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it was a little bit of a kick up the backside. It was, it was, you know, yeah, you've been fantastic so far since you've come in, but at this kind of level, and, you know, he would have known this at Juventus anyway, if you have a couple of bad games or a couple of quiet games, you might lose your spot. You might not get a shot in the next game, and I think that kind of gave him that little kick. And uh, look, I don't think it was a particularly a success for Lucas. Um, I think Lucas off the ball, I thought his pressing was quite good. He um, that did help push Spurs up the pitch a bit. But in terms of what he did on the ball, <coughs> yeah, yeah, maybe maybe not the most successful um, start he's ever had in the in the Premier League, but. Um, yeah, let's, let's be honest. It works overall. I mean, what we should say, and we've got to add the massive caveat in this, Leicester obviously had made eight changes. Um, the likes of Jamie Vardy, Yuri Tielemans, Javi Barnes, they are all on the bench. James Madison was out with a hip injury. Um, they, they were... Yeah, this was not a full-strength Leicester side. So we can't get too carried away and say it was a Tottenham masterclass or anything like that. Um, but you know, you've still got to do the job at hand. And that's something that maybe Tottenham haven't done in recent weeks. Um, so, so to come away with the victory, yeah, they, they needed to. I, was, I did a little video kind of walking to the stadium on the way in and just you just felt the expectation that just Tottenham had to win. Because if they allowed a situation where Arsenal were, you know, perhaps coming to the um, the Spurs stadium with a huge kind of lead um, in a couple, was it th- not this Thursday, but next, it would have been a disaster. So they had to do it. The pressure was on them, but they actually took the pressure and, and they ran with it.
0: You're at the stage of the season now where uh, it's points, what matter, not performances. Yeah, But I think as well as that, if you're not getting the points like they did against Brighton, then needs to be a performance, you know, to give everyone a bit of hope going into uh, the running. And yeah, Spurs managed to get the points on the board. It wasn't... Uh, the free flowing football that we've seen uh in previous weeks such as against Newcastle in the second half filler in the second half is really scrappy at times in the first half yeah. the ball just seemed to be bouncing all over the place and you saw like Kane and Son uh a bit of sloppy play really just failing to control the ball and get the passes off yeah maybe uh, Kane. Kane, Kane
1: Kane had a poor day i'd say goal aside <clears throat> that was not a Kane you know masterclass of performance whatsoever
0: no. Uh so we're saying what? Well, still got jet lag three weeks on from his trip to Augusta. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We like that excuse, don't we? When we that on social media,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I think Spurs were a lot better once Kulisewski came on in the second half. But watching the highlights back on match of the day two last night, Leicester had the opportunities in the first half. Uh yeah, as I was saying with in terms of the poor play, there was the one when Ben Davis slipped on the ball. Uh, I think it was Mark Albrighton capitalised on it, put the ball across looking for Patson and Dacher to finish. And Christian Romero just seems to come from nowhere uh, to make a clearance. Then there was a bit of sloppy play from Romero who sold Dyer short with a pass into the box. Dyer had to react really quickly to clear that. Conte wasn't impressed by that. I think I was keeping an eye on him and he basically turned around and he was muttering something towards the bench. Uh and yeah, Leicester did have their opportunities, but just didn't take them. And then Spurs always needed that second goal after the opener just to give themselves a bit of breathing space in that two-goal cushion. And then once they got that, there was only going to be one winner. You just didn't think Leicester were going to find their way back into it, really.
1: No, no. Um, <clears throat> I think don't think we kind of knew at the time just how important or, or that it was even a save from Hugo Lloris from Patson Decker. We kind of was all like, "Oh, you've escaped there, Tottenham. It's hit the post." And uh, <clears throat> but when we look back, it was like that was it was an incredible fingertip save. It was really, really impressive. Um, and that for me, it, it was such a pivotal moment. like you said, the Romero interception as well after Davies, you know, made a fluff of um, a touch outside the box. Those two moments kind of knocked the stuffing out of Leicester slightly, and Spurs obviously then went up the other end and. Um, I think it was. I thought it was Hoime at the time. But it was actually Ben Davies had a shot deflected over, yeah. and that led to the corner that um, that Harry Kane he you know wrestled away from his marker really well. I mean, for Leicester, the set piece stuff was embarrassing. They, they, I mean, they've conceded so many this season. And I was watching the Brendan Rodgers interview after the game, and he was just saying it's just it's just a lack of aggression that you can't put into players. And we're going to talk about aggression with a certain Argentine in a, in a bit. But, um, yeah, Spurs, like you say, I think the Spurs from that point on looked pretty comfortable. Um, the actual goal at the end, I don't know why I'm so croaky. It's like I, was, I wasn't shouting or screaming at the Spurs or something, but I seemed to have proper croaky voice today. Um, yeah, they, uh, they'll they be really disappointed with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was much more Lloris could do with that. It got fingertips to it. I didn't even realise that at the time either. But, yeah, it, it just spoiled slightly spoilt for the defence what should have been. I thought all, most of them, Ben Davies' little kind of lost touch aside early on, I thought the defence played pretty well on the day. And it was a, a little kind of black mark, which was really annoying against their name. But, yeah, three goals. Um Another kind of increase in goal difference over all of their rivals as well, which we hope will have to play a part at some point. And uh, but it's down to Tottenham to make sure that they can get to that stage.
0: It's good to see Harry Kane on the score sheet again. So he's gone quite a while yeah. without a goal. I think it was five or six games. I think his last one was against Brighton, what was yeah, about six weeks ago now in that 2-0 win at the Amex <laughs> in that Period, though, he's contributed, I think it was about six assists in the Newcastle game, uh, the Aston Villa one, and the West Ham game as well. But the last two against Brentford and Brighton, he's just n- not looked himself, really. Uh, but I think that's probably a product of the fact that there's just a, there just was a lack of creativity behind him. It was really half chances and ones that he was fashioning in himself. Uh, certainly at Brentford with that shot on the turn. Uh, but, yeah, aside from the goal, like you said, probably not his best performance, but I think the goal will certainly do him good going into the running.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned John Veal, our, our colleague from the Press Association, who um, he was counting up early in the game every time Kane like took the ball and lost it or, or did a bad touch. And I think he got up to about five in a row. It was just every time Kane was trying to get the ball under control. he was just, And that, that was what it was. it was. It was just really sloppy yesterday. And I kind of thought, oh, the goal's going to kick him on and he's going to go on and, and you know, go back to that playmaker Kane role that we know. He kind of didn't. He played a couple of decent balls maybe over the top. There was a few that, you know, I think there was one that um, uh, Hoybier didn't quite take right. There was one with Sessignon that could have run into the box, onto the pass. He didn't. Other than that, yeah, it was it was kind of off off the mark, really. Um, I'd say, especially when Kudusevsky came on, I thought Son and Kudusevsky kind of were the stars of the show and Kane was playing more of a bit part role. Um, which, you know, it you know, yeah. Tottenham are definitely not a one-man team, as, as some people will have you know. And and I think that was just one of those days where we got to see exactly that in operation. But like you say, still managed to get on the score sheet, and that's that's the mark of a of a good striker. Even when you're not playing well, you still manage to put the ball in the net. And um, Spurs need him. I think, you know, I think Son's going to be massive in this run-in now. Son is absolutely kind of flying. Um, and Especially if Kane isn't going to hit the heights, then they'll, they're going to really have to turn to Son and look for him to inspire them in these last four games.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dane Kulosevsky a few seconds ago. I thought he was fantastic when he came on yesterday. He had a really, really good start to his Tottenham career, but then against Brighton, he just wasn't in the game. It was just more of the same against Brentford last time out, so you can probably understand why Antonio Conte wanted to make a change in that front three and that, you know, uh, probably made, Koleszewski realised when he was on the bench that he just wants to come on and make an impact to make sure he's in the team for the Liverpool game uh, coming up. And it was literally as soon as he came on, he impacted the game. He, he made a terrific run uh, through the heart of the pitch, uh, got his way into the area following a weaving run. It was just that last bit of play where yeah. he just slipped, uh, and it's unfortunately the ball himself. went out. Yeah, uh, and then there was another bit. Uh, when I think he was up against Luke Thomas. Really good flick to get beyond him. Thomas swiped him. uh, He fell to the ground and obviously Antonio Conte's assistant, Christian Stellini, he he raced out of his uh, seat in the dugout. He was raging at the fourth official and Conte wasn't happy at all about that and
1: that was such Listen. a playground thing, though, wasn't it? That was such a, oh, this kid's just made me look like a right mug. I'm going to absolutely swipe his ankles. It was like, oh, my God, this is a Premier League. And we were all like, oh, how how have you gone and done that? Um, and, yeah, it's one of those where, you know, you, you lash out in anger. And it could have ended up being something worse. You know, if he, would like, twisted his ankle in that or something like that, and you just think, oh, I don't like that side of the game. I know it's frustration. I know he's, you know. He's been made to look like a bit of a plonker in front of a, like sixty thousand people, but still, I, I don't like that. It's it goes slightly beyond cynical for me, and it's just like it's just naughty. I don't like it at all.
0: I think I can understand why Thomas did it because he'd seen Koleszewski, you know, prior to that assists on have a few really good runs, and he's you "No, know, we can't have him running the game as well uh, again down that side and." Yeah, Kulaseski, prior to yesterday, I think it was three goals, six assists in 15 games, came on yesterday for, what, 35 minutes, added another two assists. Just been a brilliant signing.
1: Oh, that has been superb. And this is not to turn us into a <laughs> Lucas is rubbish, Deke is superb kind of thing, but it was just the difference in the game. So with Lucas, I think we're all saying this in the press box, and obviously it's something that I frequently comment on, is that what you will get with Lucas is you will get a man who runs with his head down and won't look to pass too much. I mean, he he touched the ball only 24 times, Lucas, yesterday. Um, And in that, he had tried only 11 passes, and only about three quarters of them even reached a man. Uh, He tried one cross that went to nobody. And I think that's just... You know, that is my biggest frustration with Lucas, is if he could add passing to his game... He would be such a player. But I think you saw yesterday how, especially in the Conte system, it relies so much on Son and whoever is on that right-hand side being creative, especially if the wing-backs aren't pushing on. Um, And like you say, Kulusevsky comes on. And, you know, maybe I was putting thoughts into his head now, but maybe he would have come to Spurs his ridiculously good start to life in the Premier League, he maybe looked at that and thought, oh, this is good, isn't it, at Juventus? It was a nightmare. I had to be 100% every match. I had to do this, I had to do that. And I was straight out of the team if I didn't do it. Um, Whereas he's come to the Premier League. And I mean, let's be honest, he's been there only, what, three? Are we three months in now? Yeah, just over three months. Um, He's sixth in the assist charts (laughs) with eight assists in the Premier League. Um, he's probably thinking this is so easy. This Premier League stuff. So yeah, I do think it was a little bit of a no, no, no. It might not be on Juventus's level in terms of trophies and all that sort of stuff, but you've still got to perform every single game. Um, and he did. He came on like a man possessed. He came on pro- trying to prove a point, And I was kind of watching it back, and his ball to Son, although albeit slightly behind him, and which Son did brilliantly to kind of improvise with. I loved the the creativity behind the ball. He watched Son's run. He saw Son coming from way out. He just waited till that angle was there to play it between the two defenders into his path. Like I say, slightly behind him. Obviously, the second one, you know, is a bit like Jan Vertonghen's assist for Son's wonder goal against Burnley. It's a bit like, and then he passed, and then the magic happened kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he just made a huge impact. And I loved his reaction after Son scored that second goal. He was beating his chest and the Spurs badge with his hand. It was like a passion on his face. Um, He's a guy that is, you can see, he's fallen in love with Spurs. He has. He absolutely feels at home, Kudusiewski. He's got a manager who believes in him. And, you know, he's only just turned 22, hasn't he, the other day. He's got his whole career mapped out in front of him. He's found a, a league that clearly physically and mentally he's absolutely ready for and yeah and I think I think he's he's found a squad that he fits into very nicely he seems to be quite popular already um you know having seen the the Amazon kind of documentaries he's one of these guys that the the Juventus Amazon documentary he's one of these guys who appears quite quiet but he's he's quite happy talking to people he's not someone that's going to shy away in a corner you probably can't do that as a footballer in the Premier League anyway um and I just think at Tottenham yeah he's, he's got people he knows in Romero and Benton core and and actually Galini would he know yeah Ooh, I don't know if he knows Galini or not no, he doesn't know Galini. I think I'm, I'm adding Galini in there. Just he,
0: he might, uh, he might know him from when he was at Atalanta. I can't remember when Galini went to Atalanta, but obviously Kolesovsky started there, so the paths may Maybe. have crossed there at one point. Maybe.
1: Thank, thank you for rescuing me there. I may have putting actually putting him in there for a reason, but but the point was, yeah, he, um, yeah, he knows people there already, which helps him as soon as he came in, and he seems to have kind of struck up a fair few friendships in that squad as well, so. Yeah, I'm I'm delighted to see what Kusevski has done. And it's scary to think that these are his first few months in a new league. What's he going to be like next season? It could be incredible.
0: I mean, what's he going to be like when he's at his peak? Uh, He's only 22. He's played with Cristiano Ronaldo, Zlatan, and they've raved about him. And so many players, really good players in the game, like Pirlo, obviously he managed them at Juve. Everyone's raved about him and I think if you ask Kane about him now, Son, they will say exactly the same. He's been fantastic and he's only going to get better. I mean, while we're talking about Kulisevski's role in Tottenham's second goal, I think there's another man we need to talk about for <laughs> such an impact uh leading up to Son's goal and that's Christian Romero. He was sublime yesterday. Made the number of tackles, interceptions, clearances. Spent a lot of time in the final third as well, as usual. He he was really pushing on, especially in the first half uh, when Spurs were looking for the breakthrough. It's not very often uh, a defender gets a 10 in your ratings. And I mean, for the second goal... He won a tackle, I think it was on Patson and Then he went racing into the tackle with Soyuncu. And I think it looked one of those where it's probably 70-30 in Soyuncu's favour. But there was only ever going to be one winner when you saw him sprinting across, trying to dive in and, yeah, won the ball. And you could hear the impact of that tackle around the stadium. And I think everyone... uh Certainly wants to give uh, credit to Romero for that. And I think when Son was celebrating, he was pointing to the back of Romero's shirt as well, uh, mm. to the south stand. What did you make of his performance then?
1: I think it might be my favourite Romero performance so far. It's just, I mean, you you kind of nailed it with that noise when he makes a tackle. We heard so many of those. It's like this crunch, like thud as he goes into a challenge. It's like, you know, 50-50s, you, you would you know, I think he'd be worried about going up against it. And I'm sure he's probably like that in training as well. Um, And I said to someone on social media, when I said about the thud of the tackles, they were like, oh, shows how quiet the Spurs stadium was yesterday. And it's like, no, it wasn't that. I think it's because every time he goes in for a challenge, I think the entire stadium, like <gasps> they like kind of hold their breath. So you just have this little pause in the noise and then you hear just this crash as he goes in. And he's like this. He's a really odd blend of a defender. He's so comfortable on the ball, he can ping... There was one pass he did to that I think, Match of the Day 2 picked up on yesterday as well. He can pick out these clever crossfield balls. He's very comfortable dribbling it forward. He always looks completely calm and in control. So he's kind of got that, I suppose, what would you say, like a Rio Ferdinand kind of element in that he's very, very comfortable on the ball. But then on the flip side, he's so old school in the way he defends. He will crunch it. He loves the dirty stuff in the game. He loves... Going up for headers, he likes smashing stuff. There was one where he it was at the other end of the pitch, and he went in for an aerial challenge with Schmeichel, and I can't remember who the defender was. He threw himself in there; I think he hurt himself a little bit in it, but he didn't care. He'll put his head, he'll put his body on the line for just trying to get that ball. And there's very few defenders that are like that. You either get the kind of the the uh, laid-back kind of ball-playing defenders, or you get the old-school defender, maybe like a Michael Dawson type that he's this delightful kind of mix of the two in one, which which is what I think makes him so special. Um, and that challenge, the second one, well, the first one was a, kind of watching it back was enough of a kind of a whack of a challenge for Son's second, uh, no, Son's first goal, but the one on the Sancho as well. And uh, do you know what? At the time, I think I actually thought it was slightly more reckless than it was because watching it back, his feet were actually both on the floor. He didn't put his studs weren't in the air. He actually was quite controlled in what he did, but it looked like a flying challenge from our position. But then when I watched the angle looking from kind of almost like behind the goal line, um, that side of the pitch, yeah, his feet were very much on the floor. And like the Leicester players afterwards were whinging away. They were like, oh my God, look what he's done. Look what he's done. And I just loved the way that like Brendan Rodgers, Uh, He was asked, you know, did you have a problem with that tackle in his press conference? And he away went, no, no, absolutely not. He said there was no problem with the tackle. I had a problem with us not winning that tackle. Romero was strong, aggressive, and that's what you want from your centre-half. And it was. He was so good. So, so good on the day. Um, And another player who I think has very quickly taken to life at Tottenham Hotspur. You know, he had that injury that kept him out for months. And you do wonder kind of just how good he'd be now with those extra three months as well. But he's so settled, you know, he's just become a dad. Uh, he's got this little, little baby he absolutely don't. And if you follow him on Instagram, pretty much every photo that Romero puts up is a, a little photo of his kid, who I think was at the game yesterday. Not obviously sitting on his own. He hadn't just rocked up at the stadium, but with his, with his mother. And, you know, you wonder whether these little kind of, it's a little thing, but whether having his, you know, his, 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 very young son, and I don't know if it's his wife or partner there as well. That fires him up into these kind of performances, and uh, he's so good. Weirdly, Conte was a bit reluctant to praise him afterwards. I asked him about him, and he kind of said, yeah, he had a good game, and then he just went off in a different direction about the team needing to be good. I think the it was either BBC or Sky asked him about him, and he completely swerved the question. Didn't even talk about Romero at all. But, you know, it's down to then you get like Sonny. Sonny was asked about him, and he absolutely raved about him. He said he was unbelievable, and that the goal, 100% of the credit, needs to go to Kuti, as they call him, um, for his part in it. And also, what was quite interesting as well, which is is in the piece, my talking points today, he said that um, Romero's made a real kind of determined effort to try and speak to everyone at the club all the time, despite the fact that obviously his English is not great. And he said that's just been such a big part of how popular and how quickly he's become in the squad, that even though his language skills are not the greatest, he's really made this concerted effort not to just sit on the sidelines and to be a big presence in the dressing room. Um, And I think you see that. I think you you see him becoming this dominating presence in the back line. And and that's the key in his role, isn't it, is communication. You know, If he's going to suddenly fly up the pitch and not be there, the others need to know he's about to do that and they need to fill in behind him. And maybe it's hoybeer or Benton Kerr just swaps in or Emerson tucks in. Um, And likewise, there was one moment when I think it was that like he'd went up the pitch. hoybeer went to the right hand side. Dyer came across as well. And so did Davies. And you can just see it's that communication element where the whole defense is starting to understand each other. Um, and that's, going to be only crucial as well going into next season. I mean, Spurs have got a fifth best defence in the Premier League this season, which, you know, you look at some of the shambles of some of the matches, um, kind of they have been, they've looked all over the place and actually it's, yeah, I think that's a sign of where they're going, hopefully.
0: Yeah, he's fantastic and he's only gone to get better. I think it's just brilliant watching him because nowadays you don't really see defenders or players just flying to challenges and that's what Romero does, and he comes out with the ball time and time again. I know last summer when Eric Lamella left, Jan Vertongen said on Instagram, plays have to wear the shin pads on the training ground now. Yeah. I think he will with Romero. I think he will train as he plays. It's literally all or nothing with him. Yeah. I think someone else who deserves uh, praise uh, for the performance yesterday, Emerson Royale, uh, I think you've definitely got to give him credit, is... A player who is trying to adapt to a new position in the team. He's always played as a right back. He's now trying to, you know, play as a right wing back in Conte's system. And that entails him pushing on regularly, trying to have an impact in the final third. And it's not always worked out for him. Uh two poor performances against Brentford and Brighton, but he bounced back yesterday. Really strong performance, very good defensively. Maybe didn't have much impact into going into the final third, but you can say the same with Ryan Sesignon as well. Uh, so I think that will certainly give him a lift going into the final four games. And I thought he was brilliant, and I think you you as well gave him a good rating as well in your play ratings.
1: Yeah, Now, as I said earlier, I think with Emerson, he, a lot of his attacking stuff was was obviously taken off the table for him and I think that was important although we all got very excited when he got back to winning a corner which we often joke is the best case scenario with, with Emerson but um, no, he he did well, he did well I think I gave him an 8 in my player ratings because he I don't know, he he was almost inspired by by Romero at points, his, t- his tackling was tough, he and Benton, maybe it was a South American thing you know, they were all tackling pretty well um, Now I was pleased with Emerson and you know, when he got into those attacking positions, he didn't try to do anything he couldn't. He just laid the ball off. And I think one of the goals we saw that I can't remember which one it was. Um probably oh actually I think it was Son's special, wasn't it? I think it was I think Emerson just tucked the ball into um who then tucked it inside to Son. So yeah, no, a good day for Emerson, and um he's gonna need that obviously, uh under his belt when he goes to Anfield because he's gonna have a lot of defending, I think, to uh, to take on there.
0: Yesterday as well, uh, I think everyone will have probably noticed Tottenham Shirts looked slightly different yesterday instead of having AIA on. It was AIA Better Lives Fund, so a new sponsor uh, for that game. And I think we've also got a sponsorship as well, haven't we now, Ali, on the podcast?
1: We do, we do. We're very excited about it. Uh, it's very cool, yes. NordVPN uh, have come on board with us and... Uh, yeah. I mean, if you don't know what a VPN is, it's it's a virtual private network, um, which funnily enough, I kind of first learned about when I had to when well, I had to when I went to um, Shanghai for Spurs preseason tour. Because obviously, you go to somewhere like China, they're, they're not too keen on you uh, doing various things that you would normally do back home, you know, certain social media sites and things like that are not allowed over there. So you have to kind of do this different way of of, of of getting into them and um but that's a very small part of what a vpn is so yeah how to explain this because it's it's something that um it's some people might not be aware of so essentially a vpn is something that keeps everything secure in on your on your computer and what you're doing it allows you to have this very private way of um browsing and obviously keeping all your info and details secure but also there's there's loads of other stuff to it for like you know Someone like yourself and me who like to watch our sport, it allows you to essentially it makes it so your location can be anywhere in the world. So you, you can watch sport from anywhere in the world. You can watch things like that. Or or for someone like me, and I'm not gonna lump you into this, but movies and things like that, you know, if, if you if you wanna be able to watch things from other places, like I don't know, let's for example watch Netflix the US Netflix rather than the UK Netflix, I understand that, you know, you could do that with this sort of thing. Um And it's something that, you know, Guest and I have got access to. We're going to have a little kind of a play around with it over these coming weeks and uh, everything certainly we've seen so far. It's, it's very cool. Um, very cool indeed. And it's something that I'm going to probably be using going forward. So we're very excited to have, uh, yeah, NordVPN as our, as our sponsors for the podcast. And um honestly, if, if, if you don't know of, probably absolutely murdered the way of explaining exactly what it does because it's something that does a lot of a lot of different things a vpn um and it sounds like it's this really techie thing when it's actually not it's something that really gives you uh access to so many other very cool things so yeah kind of uh, have a little google and at the end guest is going to give you uh an exclusive code that, if you know, if you want to, if it's something that does interest you, then you'll—I uh, think—you get a discount don't they, as well if they do it through us. Look,
0: at- yeah, yeah, really good offer, but yeah. we'll explain that at the end. We will so.
1: look at ours. We said all we said all professional with our sponsorship and all that sort of stuff. But um, no, it is very cool, and I love the segue there from the the shirt sponsorship into the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham sponsorship. Very nicely done, sir. Very nicely done.
0: Right, we're going to have to wrap this up uh, quite soon because you're going away to the under twenty threes match uh, later on. <laughs> you're
1: going away. It's not a lot, getting sent away there. Um, yes, <laughs> I've got to run to the stadium straight back there for the under twenty threes match, where I'm hoping there's going to be some interesting players involved. Not that the normal youngsters, are not, but I think we're going to see a few talented young faces in there. So, uh, yes, so we've got to wrap up soon, unfortunately.
0: Right, I think we should just basically get straight on uh, to this weekend's game at Liverpool. And it is going to be a huge weekend in the top four race. Tottenham, really, really tricky game against title contenders. Liverpool, that's Saturday night, 7.45, I believe. And then Arsenal are playing the following day, uh, 2pm, against Leeds United. Leeds, who are in relegation battle right now had a, a five-point lead uh going into yesterday but obviously everton beat chelsea and that's now uh two points so very much all to play for uh in both games it's going to be very tough at anfield but i think spurs can probably go in with a bit of confidence going in how they played against them back in december
1: yeah i agree i agree i just have to very slightly go back and it's probably going to make me miss my train but i don't I... We cannot leave the the previous match without very quickly talking about Sonny and that incredible goal. <laughs> um, yeah. if, if you weren't there um, or you only watched it on match of day two, honestly, it didn't do it justice. It was incredible. It's one of those games where we feel very privileged to be in the press box because we were right in line with the curve of that shot. It was, Donny was brilliant, you know, an assist and two goals. And like I say, the improvisation for his first goal was superb. But that second goal, I watched back, because obviously he scored one at the King Power Stadium a couple of years back, which was similar. But even that, I didn't think was as good as yesterday's goal. Just, he explained afterwards that since he was a kid, he's practiced that shot non-stop from both foot feet. And uh, what made it even funnier was that um, Conte apparently had told him a couple of minutes before, I'm probably going to take you off in a bit, like for a bit of a rest. And he was like, Sonny's response was, I'm going to go and score an amazing goal, which is what he did. It was just oh, it was incredible. And he is, you don't know what foot he is his strongest. You know, we're told it's his right foot. That goal was scored with his left and it was technically perfect. And uh, quite scarily, Conte said afterwards, he can actually do much better. <laughs> so what what is Sonny at his peak like if this isn't Sonny at his peak? And, you know, 19 goals from open play. Um, no, That's the most in the Premier League because obviously everyone else has got penalties. But, yeah, sorry, I didn't want to leave that without talking about Sonny because he was brilliant um, at Liverpool. Oh, man, they are. They're absolute, uh, looking, like I said earlier, looking at their home record, 17 matches. They've won 14, drawn three, haven't lost a single goal, uh, game at Anfield, only conceded seven goals at Anfield. And Spurs are playing at the time. Yes, it's going to be a few days after their semi-final, second leg in the Champions League. But my goodness, they still have to win every single match in the Premier League. It's like there'll be no letting off for them, no easing their foot off the pedal. Um, It's a game that both teams really have to win um, because I just can't say... I think Arsenal, unfortunately, probably the harder games they've got themselves through now... Of course, you know, they have shown to Arsenal that they can mess up in the easier games, as Tottenham can. But oh, it's got to be a massive performance for Tottenham on Saturday. You and I are both, uh, both hoping to be there. Um, I think because of that daft kickoff time, we're both going to have to spend the evening enjoying the delights of Liverpool. I say enjoying the delights of Liverpool. We're going to get in so late after the match, it'll just literally <laughs> sit there, <laughs> write up our stuff and fall asleep. Yeah. Um, But yeah, honestly, as matches go, it's going to be such a difficult one.
0: Yeah, uh, big, big weekend in the top four race and we'll be back next week on the pod, hopefully talking about Spurs getting some points. Anfield three points would be very nice and hopefully that will be the case, but it's going to be extremely tough, as you said. They've
1: got to do what they did at the Etihad, haven't they? They've got to go there. No one expects them to do what they did at the Etihad, so they've got it in them. And Liverpool will give them space to create as well. It's not going to be like a Brighton or Brentford game where they're going to sit there compact. So they've just got to be on it.
0: Yeah, very much so. Right, I think we'll leave that there for today's pod. Sorry, it's a bit of a short one, but Ali's heading off to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's all my fault. Very shortly. So, uh, yeah, as ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.